I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my body of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never drink I will never again drink of it, this fruit of the wine, until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I'm deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here. And stay awake with me. 
And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for a second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. So we have made our way through Holy Week to Holy Thursday. This past week, I read an article published by the Society of Neuroscience about how we as humans receive new music and how our brains process new music and remember and recall it whenever we hear it again, which is something that Brett and I talk about often, although we don't talk about it from the perspective of a neuroscience scientist. We talk about it in, by the, in the perspective of, is this learnable? Is this something that, they can, that can fall on their ears and sing again? One of the scientists in the study said that his research was driven by his own experience with music. He noticed that while listening to an old vinyl LP growing up, he could always remember which song was coming next. And that even years later, he could remember the tunes exactly, singing along with them in order that they, they came on the record. And when really it, it, it struck him as notable, important, and what it struck me as notable and important too. Um, and he said that, let me get this at the right height, and he said that he, um, he would listen to the, um, the Rubber Soul album, um, the Beatles Rubber Soul album, and he would hear Michelle, um, and he couldn't tell you what the title of the song was that came after Michelle, but <laughs> he found himself immediately humming it along with it. Then, then he could recall the transition between that song and the next, and before long he's able to hum his way through the entire record in order. I know a little bit about what he's talking about. I mean, it's, it happens to me when I'm listening to Sirius Satellite Radio in the car, and I have it turned to the, my 90s station, um, and I'm humming along with, like, Nirvana or Mariah. I'm going to see Mariah tonight, by the way. Um, I'm humming along with, with Nirvana or Mariah, and I can't help but immediately start singing the song that came after the song on the CD, or like, I can't help but singing the song that came after Fantasy on my very first CD ever, and that I makes, I know, some of you think, oh wow, she's really young, I don't even know what that is. Um, that's okay. <laughs> what was so interesting about this study was where the scientists discovered in our brains where, where, we, where we store that information. 
it wasn't in the usual parts, the usual places you would suspect, the places in the brain we know being associated with hearing. That's where you would associate, you would think that's where it would be, but instead, it was in the places associated with muscle memory. The group of scientists found throughout the course of their study that when we hear musical phrasing for the first time, the part of the brain that engages in the action of remembering is the same place that controls our motor function. So the part of us that remembers a new tune is the same part of us that remembers how to ride a bike. That same scientist who first noticed how his brain kept the tunes in order said that it's as if the entire album is stored as one long continuous story in his brain. And we all know that music is tied to the way we order our lives. It's to the way we order our world even. Music builds within us this order to count. It's a um, systematic story that reminds us how, how to move in the world even. And we don't even really think of it this way. We just live to this record. Music awakens our muscles into actions based on memories of things we have done before and things we have heard before. Music becomes for us a way of remembering who and what we are as a part of humanity, as a part of creation. And this is why I became obsessed this week about something very troubling about Jesus. After all this time, I thought I knew Jesus really well. Just this week, preparing to preach about Holy Thursday, I discovered something unsettling about Jesus. It just dawned on me. I discovered that Jesus wasn't a big fan of music. Huh, I hear the huh. If my research is telling the truth, then Jesus never played an instrument. College application check missing, right? If my research is correct, Jesus never broke out in song. Jesus never whistled a refrain of anything as he walked from town to town. Never, he never sang himself to sleep. I don't, I don't remember anything like this. And for me, as a deeply musical person, as having come from a family of only three professions, pastors, teachers, and musicians, as a person who deeply gets the idea of music as muscle memory, for me, after all these years, realizing that Jesus doesn't like music is like learning that Jesus like, never skipped a stone, or never warmed his hands over a fire. Jesus teaches on a great many things, emphasizes many points and gifts of this life, but never does he speak of the gift of song, or build a parable around instrumentation, or honor a moment of melodic bliss. And we all know that just as important as as what Jesus does is what Jesus doesn't do. What does this say about Jesus? How is it possible to be fully human without ever making music? It seems to be true, though. So I looked it up. Jesus said some things about people who enjoyed the sounds of trumpets and flutes, but the references were not 
positive ones. He told a story about an elder brother coming home from a hard day's work to hear music and dancing in his father's house, but those sounds did not make the brother happy in that story. I know some strict Christian traditions that have decided to ban musical instruments and dancing from worship on these very on this very basis that Jesus doesn't talk about it and when it is brought up it's not brought up favorably. But surely surely there there have to be other ways to interpret this because I became obsessed. <laughs> so I started thinking of all the possible ways. Why could this be? And I thought of 3. So maybe Bear with me. Reason number one why this is. Maybe the gospel writers did not think singing was important for establishing the identity of the Messiah. Maybe they certainly didn't, they didn't think laughing was all that important, so maybe singing was important because Jesus never laughs in the gospels either, and we wonder about that sometimes. Maybe the evangelists that wrote these things down thought that this was not pertinent necessarily to the story, that the birth and the teachings and the death and the resurrection, they're all really important. And he left out these things, like whether or not Jesus liked music. Um, he judged it as incidental, like the fact that Jesus made the best hummus in all of Galilee and could play a mean harmonica, maybe. I don't know. Number two reason I wonder about why Jesus doesn't make music, doesn't like music, it seems. Here's what I wonder. Maybe there was nothing to sing about, while Jesus walked the earth. It's a theory. With the Romans occupying his homeland and his countrymen at each other's throats about how to get rid of them and with the poor getting poorer and the richer getting richer, richer and maybe only the most clueless, out-of-touch people he knew sat around playing instruments at this point in time. It was a, maybe it was a thing of the wealthy and Jesus, as we know, was a person who was with the poor I'm just wondering, um, maybe Jesus could not sing while things like this were going on in, in society. Maybe, maybe that's why. Or maybe my third thought on why Jesus doesn't um, make any music or why do Jesus doesn't like music, or maybe the gospel writers thought everyone knew the tunes of some of the most famous things Jesus said already, like the Beatitudes and the Lord's Prayer or his last words from the cross. When I first learned my... Um, when I first learned my way through, like, Luke, my teacher told me um, that in school that the Magnificat, what Mary sings when she's pregnant with Jesus, was sung in the early church over and over again, along with the Song of Simeon. Why not the Lord's Prayer then? I don't know. Maybe that was a song. or Maybe they assumed the people already knew those so songs, and we didn't need to talk about it. Maybe the music has vanished after everyone who knew it died so that only the words remained for those who came later. As those Society of Neuroscience researchers discovered, music is like muscle memory. Music speaks to our soft parts in us. The soft parts as vulnerable as flesh, as grass, as the lilies of the field. Maybe they pass away. Maybe the music passes away like the lilies, like the grass. Maybe that is what Jesus, what happened to Jesus' music. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it went back to where it came from until he comes again, singing us back into the presence of God again. I could make up a lot of theories. <laughs> so I started looking up words. I searched sing, song, music, play, and the names 
of at least six ancient musical instruments that would be associated with this time period, and not one of them came up in the Gospels until I searched one more word. I searched the word hymn, and I struck jackpot. According to both Matthew and Mark, it is possible that Jesus sang at least one time while on this earth, one time, on the first night of Passover on Holy Thursday, after Jesus had stormed the temple on Monday while everyone else was missing the point, and he taught in a bunch of riddles on Tuesday about authority and who actually has this authority, after he dangerously allowed a woman to demonstrate her passion by washing his feet On Holy Wednesday, Jesus, who had a reputation for being the friend of sinners, sat down to one last supper with his closest followers, and it says that they did one last thing before heading into the darkness of Gethsemane. When they had sung the hymn, both evangelists Matthew and Mark say, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Reading these verses every year, telling this story every year, how many Monday, Thursday suppers have I sat through without ever asking, what was that hymn? What were they singing? But here it is, right before me, Jesus sang. What was it that he sang? And so this week, as I reflected on this scripture and moved back and forth from the table to the garden and the table to the garden, what will I talk about? Will I talk about the table? Will I talk about the garden? Um, There was something right in between them that seemed so missed, all the time missed. What did they sing? What a significant song that must have been, that last song before the cross. And in my obsession, I paused in the writing of this sermon, to instead write a song. And I figured it was only appropriate that I would share that song with you today. Are y'all interested? (laughs) You want to hear it? Okay. So um, I need uh, my assistant, Amanda. Um, I don't know if Amanda wants to use this microphone or your regular one. You can use this one, okay. Um, And we've only sang through this like once all the way through. Um, but I felt like it needed some harmony, so let you know, give us grace as we. I, and there are no, there's no sheet music to this. This is just like humming something until it made sense with the words I wrote down. Okay, all right, we're ready. After the supper was over. And the table had been cleared away. When the last bottle was empty, there was nothing left to say. Jesus started singing an old tune. Everybody fell right in. It was the last song. Matthew started singing the low part. John grabbed the high harmony. Their voices filled up the night air. 
Gethsemane. Judas walked some distance behind them, like he had forgotten the words. It was the last song. Just before they got to the garden, just before they all fell asleep, just before Barabbas was pardoned and Jesus was nailed to a tree, I reckon it was some kind of soul song. Maybe kind of sad and slow All about how we get weary All about holding on Only Jesus knew what was coming Still he never said a thing he sang the last song. He could have made a toast to the good times and only the best for his friends. He could have stayed up late reminiscing about the long, strange trip it had been. But he went like a lamb to the slaughter, knowing it was part of the plan, and sang the last song. What do you think, Amanda? Thank you, Amanda. So after I wrote my song, it felt an appropriate posture of praise at the moment um, of such discovery. What a song. What could this song have been? I delved into the research on what that hymn was that they sang as they processed out together to the garden. I did some research, and I actually called Rabbi David over at Bethel Hebrew because he would know they were Jewish. He was not Christian um, to confirm what I thought they would have sung. What would they have been singing together at the conclusion of that Passover feast? And my research and my conversation with Rabbi David confirmed that if Jesus and his friends were singing a hymn after supper, there is every reason to believe that it was the Hallel, which is Psalms 113 through 18, sung during evening prayers on the first night of Passover from Jesus' day to our own day still. And this psalm goes, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I know, there are, I know there are others ahead of me on this. There's got to be others who figured this out. I'm not a biblical scholar. I can't, this is not, I'm not writing, a, a, I'm not going to write a book on this. I'm sure there's others who figured this out. The Lord to whom I pray is praying to the Lord. Now these, these words will never lie quietly again on the page for me. There's no possible way. The disciples knew not and believed not Jesus' impending death, and yet they sang together. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. 
which in turn changes everything about how I read, how we visualize Jesus in the garden. It changes everything about it. Jesus, kneeling over the stone in the garden, says these words, God, take this cup from me. Take this cup, take this death, this impending death from me. Not my will, but yours. Precious in your sight, O Lord, is the faithful one who dies. But I am forever your servant. I wonder, I wonder if these words maybe were translated differently. I wonder if maybe Jesus prayed the Hallel. And I wonder for us if that is our prayer for Lent, if that's what we pray throughout the season of Lent, that precious in your sight, God, is when we ourselves are slayed, when our will, when our desires, when we are bent over our beds or our rocks or our desks, when we are bent over, when we are concave, when we can't stand up on our own, when life feels like Good Friday or Holy Saturday, I wonder if our prayer is, Precious, O Lord, are your faithful ones. Make me that faithful one. Precious, O Lord, are your faithful ones who you, who you kill. You kill all those pieces inside of me that are not worthy. You kill all those pieces inside of me that tell me I'm not worthy so that I may be faithful only, only to be your servant, God, only to be your servant. I thought about asking Brett to find a, um, a, um, a halal, but by the time I discovered this, it was Friday, and you know, he already hates me for making him wear that shirt. So, so instead, can we pray that together instead of singing it together? My God, precious in your sight is the death of your faithful ones. God, make me your servant. Precious in your sight, O oh God, is the slaying of all the junk inside of your faithful ones. And all the junk that flows out of our hands and our mouths that harm others, slay that. God, make me your servant. God, this cup that we have when life feels like Good Friday and Holy Saturday. Take it from us. Replace it with Easter. But not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Precious in your sight, O oh God, is the carrying of our cross. Make us your servants. We join together in that prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
Amen. Amen. Let's take a moment and sing through um, the, the prayer of confession that we've had throughout this series so far. Just sitting in our seats, just praying that, um, and then we will we'll take up our offering. Table.